August of 2003, we'd moved to Rossendale from uh, Brownhills in the West Midlands. And uh, I wasn't yet licensed at St Anne, so I couldn't, uh, I couldn't actually go to worship uh, there. So Jill and I, the first service of worship that we ever took part in in Rossendale was here. That was back in 2003. And it's taken 13 years for you to invite me to come and preach. (laughs) It really is good to be with you. Uh, And it's good that, you know, today we're we're sharing as three churches down this this little valley uh, in uh, time together. So, uh, you know, I'm praying that uh, all of us Across the three churches are blessed today. Right, now, um, what are we doing? Well, I believe you're doing the miracle of mercy. Is that right? Oh, good. Uh, it means I've, I've been given the right brief. Uh, and the miracle of mercy is uh, that course by Rick Warren. Uh, two, three years ago, uh, I had the privilege of uh, uh, going down to Holy Trinity Brompton's leadership conference in London, uh, which is actually in the Royal Albert Hall. And Rick and Kay Warren were some of the speakers there. And it was uh, just the beginning of them coming back after the terrible tragedy of the death, the suicide of their son. And the words that Rick and Kay shared with us that day moved everyone there so powerfully. So I've I've got a a great um, affection, if you like, for uh, the ministry of, of Rick Warren. So the miracle of mercy. And so far, I've been told, you tell me if I've got this right, you've done... The marks of mercy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not too sure about it, are you? Uh, you've done mercy for, forgives the fallen. Oh, you're getting more confident with that one. Mercy helps the hurting. Yeah, mercy is patient with difficult people. And mercy is kind to enemies. Okay. So what are we doing this morning? Yeah. Mercy cares for the lost. Yeah, God cares for the lost contacts. God loves the lost. God loves the hurting in our world. God, it's often said, is on the side of the poor and the weak and the vulnerable and those who have been left behind. When we talk about the lost, our world is full of lost people. I don't know about you, but I sometimes get a little bit down uh, at the news about the state of the church in this country nationally. Because it seems that everybody in the media simply wants to say, 
Oh, just look at the church. It's on its last legs. It's dying. And the vast majority of people in this country want nothing to do with the Christian faith. And just look at that outdated, outmoded, irrelevant organization, the church. What a load of rubbish! When I look around me, I see time after time good news stories and good news stories about what the church, what Christians are doing in this country, what they're doing in this community. Making a difference. Going out and searching for people who are in need, who are lost, who are struggling. And we just need to have confidence That God is working in us and through us and will continue to do so. And the church is not on its last legs. Praise be. Now will you forgive me for quoting from from an archbishop? Yeah? So, William Temple was the Archbishop of Canterbury in the middle years of the last century. Uh, And he said these words, The church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. Now I think sometimes, as church, we do forget that. But that's quite a rallying call. It's quite an inspirational statement. It's saying that we should be there to demonstrate love, mercy, grace, compassion to those who are not part of the church. And in case we think, well, I don't quite know how to do that. There's an awful lot of people out there who are not part of the church who need that grace and compassion. And that is our challenge. And in the book of Acts, it tells, tells us, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in being witnesses to this divided world. That is our calling. So how do we do it? How can we be effective as witnesses? In a mean world, our greatest witness is showing mercy. The world around us, it seems to me, has become more and more divided. It's become more and more polarised. It's become more and more filled with different kinds of bigotry. It's become a world where conflict is the norm. And that, that comes at every level. It comes at the level of uh, one-on-one relationships, in, in uh, marriages, in communities, between races, between nations, between religions, conflict. And it is a, an increasingly mean world. And what's the antidote to meanness? Mercy. Mercy. 
There is a problem that as Christians, many of us um, sometimes fall into the trap of doing. And that's thinking that non-believers will think and act just like us. We should not expect unbelievers to act just like believers. To have the same moral standards as believers. They don't understand where we're coming from. And they don't have the power to live in the way that we think should be the norm. Trying to force Christian law on society as a whole is nonsense. Law, as Paul tells us in the book of Romans, is powerless. Only grace, only mercy changes how people act and behave. It's the the old thing about uh, in church... We think that people should behave according to our standards, then believe in the God we believe in, and then we let them belong to the church. But actually, we need to reach out to people and welcome them and let them belong. Then they might come to a point of believing, and then some way down the line, their behaviour might change. In Matthew's Gospel, we have this. That night, Matthew invited Jesus to dinner with his fellow tax collectors and many other notorious sinners. The Pharisees were indignant. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? They asked. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to be merciful, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to invite sinners to me, not those who think they are righteous. Sometimes as Christians, we get into our minds that really it's it's about making sure we don't get contaminated making sure we don't get contaminated and we cut ourselves off from people who perhaps don't have those same moral standards and beliefs that we have And Jesus said, if that's the way that you act, you've got it wrong. Engagement, not withdrawal, is what was Jesus' way. And he calls us, his followers, to do and to live and to be the same. Okay. So that, in a sense, is is, is all introduction to the main part of what this message is about. If we're going to show mercy to the lost, 
What are some of the principles that we need to follow? Well, here's the first. It says, start looking and listening for people's needs. Start looking and listening for people's needs. Mercy always begins with an awareness and an attention to others. It begins with us noticing others. It begins with us just stopping and taking note of other people. Now that that's, in one sense, sounds very simple, doesn't it? Take note of other people. But here's the thing. You and I, well, I at least, am very, very busy. Are you busy? Any of you? There's only Meredith, I think, who's busy. And when I get busy... One of the things that I am prone to do is put my head down and not to notice what's going on around me and not to notice that other people might be hurting and not listen to them because I've got things to be doing. And and what I'm doing is important. And the fact that there's somebody hurting there, well, well, that's just an inconvenience, isn't it? And the fact that there's somebody here who wants time from me, where they want to, to tell me what's going on in their life, that's an inconvenience, isn't it? You'll be pleased to know that I have the answer whenever I feel like that. She's called Jill. And she, she will, she will put me back on the right track and say, stop. So and so needs you to listen to them. And when you passed them by, you were just like the, you know, the priest and the Levite passing the guy by on the road. Stop. Look. Listen. Mercy starts with listening to people and giving them time. If we can't give people time, then we will never be merciful. It's the most valuable thing that we can give to someone. Our time, our attention. And uh, just to emphasise it, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's what James tells us. And I love James, because he's so, so to the point. That's the first principle. Listen, listen. Second is Don't be offended by their sins. Don't be offended by their sins. 
in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 it says be completely humble uh, and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love don't be offended by people's sins who here has never sinned that's good none of us have put our hand up you see we all get things wrong and we need mercy we need grace and it gets messy when we're dealing with people who make mistakes in their life when we're dealing with people who sin when we're dealing with people whose lives are in a mess when we're dealing with ourselves if we're honest we need to not uh, get so uptight about others' sins. And remember that Jesus loves each one of us. Uh, as you know, um, I spend a lot of my time working with young people. And uh, down at the boiler house, some of those young people are somewhat challenging. Isn't that right, Meredith? Some of them are challenging. And some of them have done some pretty crazy things and some hair-raising things. And some of their lifestyles are pretty off the wall. One of the things I've had to learn is not to be shocked by anything they might tell you or anything they might do, but to love them and love them unconditionally because they've got real needs. So don't be offended by their sins is the second thing. The third thing is choose my words carefully. Choose my words carefully got a paraphrase from scripture there it says don't let rotten words come from your mouth say words that help your neighbor in a time of need so that it will uplift not damage there's a saying that uh, sticks and stones will uh, break my bones but words will never hurt me what a load of rubbish the number of people I come across who have been damaged by things that have been said to them is huge. We need, every one of us, to think very carefully about the words that we use when we're talking to people. We need to offer people words that are not woolly and fluffy. Sometimes they need to be tough words. But they need to be constructive. They need to be words of acceptance. They need to be words that will make a difference in someone's life, not put up a barrier. We need 
to make sure that what we say counts and demonstrates mercy. The fourth principle. Value saving people over keeping rules. Value saving people over keeping rules. One of the things that over the years uh, has struck me is that all too often it's easy to think that the Christian faith is about rules. All too easy to think that it's about what we should and should not do because it's written in the rule book. And Jesus was never about rules. He was about relationship. And uh, these words come from Matthew's Gospel. Do not neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness, while, while paying careful attention to tiny details of the law. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Do not strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Too many instances I've come across where, where people have been damaged by a strict application of rules. Religion is about rules. And Jesus was about relationship. So those are the principles, the four principles of demonstrating mercy. What about the God of mercy who calls us to be agents of mercy? The God of mercy is the one who showed mercy to Jonah. When Jonah turned his back and ran away and wanted to hide from God. The God of mercy is the good shepherd seeking out the lost sheep. The God of mercy is the widow seeking the lost coin. The God of mercy is the father looking out for the lost son. And the God of mercy says, I want you to be agents of mercy. Have you got your agent's badge? Have you? Because you need it to go and be it. An agent. So, how do we do this? How do we be an agent of mercy? Where do we find people who need the demonstration of mercy. 
six ways. First, look for people in crisis and listen to them. Look for people in crisis and listen to them. We have from Galatians these words. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. Listen to people and pick up from them what their needs are. Be willing to carry someone else's burden. There is uh, an old statement that a burden shared is a burden halved. And it's true. That it makes a difference when someone feels that somebody else cares enough to listen to them. When someone else is ready to offer help. Love your neighbour said Jesus. And part of loving your neighbour is to carry their burden, to listen to them and to offer them healing. So listen to those people who are needing help. Second, Look for people with unmet needs and help them. Look for people with unmet needs and help them. Here's the question I asked you a little while ago. Are you busy? Uh, Are you too busy? If someone needs your help... Will you say to them, um, I'm sorry, I can't help you at the moment. Uh, I've just got this to do. I, I, I can look in, in my diary. Um, I've got a slot in three weeks' time. Doesn't work like that, does it? Um, though we might think that uh, at times that's how our society works. Look for people with unmet needs and help them. Give them the time that they need. Practical needs. It might be, you know, somebody needs um, a lift somewhere. Somebody needs... um, Help because they've just run out of things. Quite regularly, uh, I get people coming and saying, I've got nothing to eat. And I've not got any money till next week when my benefit comes through. Now what do I do? Do I say... Sorry, I've, I've, I've got a meeting to go to. Or do I give them something to eat? 
There's the challenge. Look for people with unmet needs and help them. In Romans, it tells us each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? If you, if you don't actually take anything else away from what I've said this morning, the question, how can I help? How can I help? Take that. That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but he waded right in and helped out. You know, Jesus was one of the busiest people ever. But he never abandoned people in need. He reached out to them and helped them. Third, Look for people who are grieving and comfort them. Look for people who are grieving and comfort them. In 2 Corinthians, it says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Last year was one of the most difficult years that uh, personally uh, I'd experienced as a minister because the number of people who lost people tragically in our church was just out of all proportion to a small community People were grieving. People were in need of comfort. Who's the best person to comfort someone who is grieving? The answer is somebody who's experienced grief and lost themselves. Are you qualified to do that? Have you ever experienced bereavement? Yeah? If you've experienced bereavement, then you can help someone else who is suffering from grief and loss and pain. But again, you need to give them time. Fourth, look for people needing friends and show hospitality. Look for people needing friends and show hospitality. Paul, writing to the Romans, says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. It needs to be done. It won't just happen. Recently, there has been a lot of talk about the terrible issue of loneliness in our society and loneliness is a massive problem and we have the answer to loneliness and the answer is show hospitality invite someone for a cup of coffee spend time with them invite them for a meal 
Give time. But we're not necessarily good at doing it. There's the challenge. Show hospitality. It is a way of demonstrating mercy. Fifth, look for people who need a second chance. Look for people who need a second chance. Paul to the Corinthians, when people sin, you should forgive and comfort them so they won't give up in despair. I asked you a little while ago, have you ever sinned? Have you ever got it wrong? And you said yes. That means you needed somebody else to give you a second chance. Somebody else to actually say, it's okay, we're not going to give up on you. We need to give a second chance to others. Despite what their failures are, how they've stumbled, how they might have made a mistake. Uh, on Friday, uh, we had at Fians and Meredith will bear this out, uh, a band called Vital Signs, uh, coming from the Message Trust in Manchester. They spent the day in Fians and then they came down to the boiler house in the evening. They gave uh, a concert in the evening and they also talked about their, their faith during the day and their story. They gave their testimony. And these two guys in this rap band, so it's really the sort of music you like, these two guys told about how they had messed up so often in their lives. But God did not give up on them. Whether it was, you know, drugs, whether it was the uh, relationships that they'd had, whether it was the crime they were involved in, God did not give up on them. And eventually, eventually, they gave their lives to Jesus and now they spend time going into schools and into prisons and talking about what God's done for them. God gave them a second chance. We need to give people a second chance. Lastly, I love this one. Look for people who are rude and be kind to them. Look for people who are rude and be kind to them. Do you know what? That is the most challenging thing in this. Because my instant reaction when I come across somebody who's rude is... I'll make a wide berth. Anybody here like that? what to do with people who are being rude it was just nasty and yet how can they ever change if we don't actually show them a different way and show them the way of mercy um, 1 Peter 
says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. It's tough. When somebody insults you, well, when some, no, no, I'm being judgmental now of all you, all you good people out there. When somebody insults me, the first thing that wants to come out of my mouth is, well, you can guess, can't you? I want to trade insults with them. I want, you know, I, I, I want to set insults as an Olympic sport and keep raising the bar. Yeah? But that's exactly what happens. The bar gets raised and raised and raised until actually it's not just insults. Shoulder mercy instead. That's the challenge. Now you might have thought, well, this is all very interesting, it's all very academic. Does it really matter? Well, I want to suggest to you that it does. Jesus said that in the end, we will be judged by the quality of the mercy that we have demonstrated. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Can we... Show mercy to others. Because it's not just in their interests. It's in ours. It's in mine. Mercy for the lost. Let's make a difference. Let's not put our heads down. Let's find that lost person. Let's help them. Let's listen to them. Let's lift them up. Let's care for them. Let's show compassion for them. Let's do something that changes their life. Let's be agents of mercy in the world. Shall we pray?